I woke up and saw five shadows standing across the room. They were like human-shaped clouds of black smoke, and they were floating right towards me. I'm Tom Stewart, and this is my paranormal story. Before I start this episode, I just want to thank you for listening. Remember, if you've bought t-shirts or coffee mugs from my website, myparanormalstory.com, be sure to send me a selfie with your swag so I can post it on Facebook or Instagram. And don't forget, everything you buy on the website helps keep this podcast running. So thank you so much for your support. Near-death experiences are something you hear about from time to time in the news or on Unsolved Mysteries-type TV shows. You've probably read books or seen movies about people who describe dying but suddenly coming back to life. Those who have experienced this phenomenon sometimes describe seeing a big bright light at the end of a tunnel, and often they witness seeing loved ones who have passed some time ago. It's believed by some that what they're describing is heaven, or at least a place that's leading to heaven. It's usually something beautiful, like a blue sky with swirling clouds or a wide open meadow with grass and flowers. But no one really knows what happens when we die, so there's no telling if what these people are experiencing really is heaven, or if it's perhaps some other dimension or just a figment of their imagination. These near-death experiences are usually brief, and before they know it, they've been sent back to Earth, finding themselves returned to their own bodies. Reports of near-death experiences have been going on for centuries. Just about all cultures and religions believe in the theory in one way or another. Most subscribe to the idea that it's simply God telling you it's not your time to die. Of course, there are many skeptics to the idea. Many doctors and scientists believe near-death experiences are nothing more than hallucinations, and that you really didn't go anywhere or see anything real. It was just sort of a dream created by your brain's reaction to the changes in your body. It could also be a reaction to the medications or procedures being performed on you by physicians who are trying to save you. I was a skeptic once too, until it happened to me. Today, as you know, all around the world, people are collectively dealing with a global pandemic, something none of us could have imagined would ever happen in our lifetime. We've heard the stories of our elderly relatives tell us about the Spanish flu and polio that devastated people in the early and mid-1900s. And today, we've had to be concerned about viruses like HIV and Ebola. But none have affected the fabric of our societies like the coronavirus or COVID-19. It's such a new virus that scientists know very little about it, except 
that it spreads person to person through contact and through droplets in the air. And that it spreads so quickly that it's forced us all to have to wear face masks and socially distance from each other. The restrictions and lockdowns have been pretty dramatic on us all. Perhaps the worst part about catching coronavirus is that if you have it, you might not know it for several days. You could go as long as a week without showing any symptoms. And all that time, you could be spreading the virus to other people. It's like a real-life horror movie, and it makes us the monsters. I'm not going to lie. Coronavirus has scared the hell out of me. I truly do fear catching it. The stories I've read about what some people have endured, it just frightens me. And part of my fear comes from a time not too long ago when I became deathly ill from a virus. It's a virus that I'm pretty sure killed me. But for some reason, I was sent back. Maybe it just wasn't my time. The story begins about eight or nine years ago. I was performing in a stand-up comedy contest at a casino in Connecticut. Comedy contests are kind of like talent shows, except the contestants each take a turn performing comedy for five or ten minutes. And usually the audience or some judges will pick the top three best comedians and they get to move on to the next round on some other night. The contests are mostly just a way for comedy clubs to get crowds without having to actually pay any comics. But for the comics, it can be a good way to get some exposure and to network with other comics. And if you're lucky enough, maybe you'll win some cash. Now on this particular night, a bunch of my friends came out to support me. It was so great seeing five or six friends out in the audience cheering for me. A spoiler alert, I didn't win the contest, but I did come in the top three. So it was a fun night overall. After the contest, a bunch of us went out for a late dinner at one of the restaurants in the casino. Now I don't want to say the name of the club or the casino or the restaurant. I don't want them to seem like they're bad places because what happened to me could literally happen anywhere. We all had some laughs, we ate dinner and had drinks. Afterwards, a few of us stuck around and did some gambling before calling it a night. And I felt fine. Actually, I felt amazing. Having people you care about come out and support your dreams is something everyone should experience. But the following night, right around dinner time, I started feeling lousy. I skipped dinner because I was getting a headache and had a bit of a stomachache too. I knew it wasn't a hangover. I hadn't drank much the night before. So I thought maybe it was a touch of food poisoning. So I decided to go to bed early, hoping it would pass. But the next morning, I woke up feeling like I'd been run over by a truck. I had chills, a fever, body aches. My stomach was killing me and I was so fatigued. I knew this was more than just food poisoning. So I stayed home in bed all day, hoping to sleep it off. But by that night, 
After going the whole day without eating anything, I was feeling weak. Anything I tried to eat, like toast, crackers, soup, none of it would stay down. I found myself in the bathroom, throwing up and dry heaving a lot. And I started getting diarrhea too. By the second day of this sickness, I started getting scared. My fever hadn't gone down, I was weak, I was sore all over, and I was losing control of my body. The diarrhea was becoming involuntary. With no warning, it would just happen as I laid there in bed. And with what little strength I had, I would get up and clean myself, clean the room. I was literally thinking I was dying. By the third day, I had brought a pillow and blanket into the bathroom and was sleeping on the floor, just so I'd be closer to the toilet. And at one point, I remember having to throw up into the tub because I was already sitting on the toilet with diarrhea. I know, I know that's gross, but it was such a helpless feeling. And I know what you're thinking. Why didn't you go to the hospital or call an ambulance? And you're right, I definitely should have. But remember, at first, I thought this was just food poisoning or maybe a touch of the flu. And before I knew it, this thing had taken over my body. I mean, I was pretty weak. Plus, and this was a big factor too, I was unemployed at the time and had no health insurance. If you've never been in that position before, let me tell you, it's very difficult choosing between getting help that you know you can't afford to pay and just trying to fight through a sickness, hoping that it won't be too bad. And sadly, many people in this country go through this, and it's awful. So I was stubborn, and I decided to try and fight through it. Early on during the sickness, during brief moments of calm and stillness, I would check in on Facebook and try to respond to people who were worried about me. And one of my friends just happens to be an ER nurse. And when I explained to her my symptoms and everything that I was going through, she knew exactly what it was, the norovirus. She explained that the norovirus can be pretty serious and she did her best to get me to come to the hospital, but I was too stubborn. So she consulted me the best she could. She told me to take aspirin to help with the fever and to make sure I stayed hydrated. If nothing was staying down, I needed to at least try sucking on some ice chips or taking small sips of water, whatever I could do. But by this point, I'm pretty sure the dehydration had already been taking a toll on my body. Now, if you've never heard of norovirus, it's a nasty flu-like illness that you hear a lot about in the news when you hear stories about people getting sick on cruise ships. It's a virus that seems to thrive in crowded, touristy-type places, like a casino, for instance. It's also quite commonly caught in restaurants or at buffets. And whenever you hear of someone getting food poisoning at a restaurant, a lot of the times it's actually norovirus. One of the reasons norovirus is such a problem in places like this is because many employees in restaurants or on cruise ships, 
they're afraid to call out sick from work, or they simply can't afford to not work. And since the beginning stages of norovirus feel like a cold or a flu, most people think they can just work through it. And they don't realize that they're contagious and spreading it to others, much like coronavirus today. And just like the coronavirus, the norovirus also has no cure and no vaccine. You just have to treat the symptoms and let your body fight it off. And please, if you ever do come down with either of these viruses, don't do like I did. Don't be stubborn. Go to the hospital, consult a doctor, worry about the bills later. Now, as scary and as nasty as the norovirus was, the scariest part of the sickness was the crazy dreams and hallucinations I was having. I mean, I call them dreams, but even to this day, as I look back on it, they seemed so real. What I was going through felt spiritual and otherworldly. At one point, I'm pretty sure I died but was sent back to life. I had a near-death experience. At times I laid there in my bed, I would see shadows and ghostly apparitions. Everything was blurry, but it was as if there were people walking around in my room. And most of the time I couldn't make out who they were, but occasionally I would recognize some of them. Some of them were family members and loved ones who had passed away years ago. The first one I remember was my old cat, Cleo. I talk about Cleo in one of my previous podcasts. I had him as a pet for like 20 years, all through my teens and then as an adult out on my own. And he passed away many, many years ago. But as I was lying there in my bed, I woke up and saw him walking across the room, just sort of floating above everything. I called out to him, and he came up to me on the bed, just close enough for me to pet him. And it's something that should have made me sad, but in a way it sort of comforted me. I can still remember feeling him purring up against me as I fell back to sleep. But he wasn't the only one I recognized. Another moment I woke up to see my grandfather. In fact, a couple of times he showed up. And he died years ago, when I was in my late teens. The first time I saw him, he was just sort of staring at me, like he was trying to figure out what I was doing there. And I was thinking, this is my room. What are you doing here? The next thing I know, we were playing cards together. I was sitting up in my bed, and he was across from me, shuffling the cards. Now, his favorite card game was cribbage, and the adults in my family would always play whenever they got together. When I was just a young kid, he taught me how to play, and I would sit in my room with a deck of cards, practicing that game over and over again, hoping that someday, I could be good enough to play with the adults. And suddenly there he was in my bedroom, 
I could hear him shuffling the cards like a buzzsaw, so fast with his hands. And we sat there on my bed, playing cribbage together, until I fell back to sleep. The virus had a hold on me for a good four to five days. I ate very little and tried my best to drink water or Gatorade as much as my stomach would allow. And when I could, I slept a lot. And it felt good to sleep because the visitors I kept having were so comforting. But they weren't all good ones. Occasionally I would wake up in my bed and see five black shadows in the room with me. There was always five of them, but I couldn't make out their faces. They were like human-shaped clouds of black smoke, just standing together on the other side of the room, facing me, I think. They didn't feel like relatives or loved ones. They felt like strangers who didn't belong there. And I remember not wanting them there. And sometimes they would appear to be moving forward all at once, all five of them slowly floating towards me. I remember one of those times yelling, get out of here. Towards the end of the sickness, my dreams started turning into out-of-body experiences. I was lying on my back in that state of being in between asleep and awake, and it felt like the room was spinning, like someone was slowly turning me on a record player. Not enough to make me dizzy, but just enough to make me want to hold on. So I turned over onto my stomach to try and make it stop. And suddenly I felt myself floating upward towards the ceiling. As I opened my eyes, I could see me laying there on the bed. Like I was literally floating in the air, looking down at myself. So I turned around, expecting to see the ceiling in front of me, but it wasn't there. All I could see was a bright light. It was like the sun on the horizon when you're trying to drive, except a hundred times brighter. I squinted my eyes to try and see what was in front of me, and suddenly I saw a bunch of hands coming at me. Like at least a dozen or so hands trying to push me. I couldn't see anyone's faces or anyone's bodies, but all these hands were trying to hit me and push me, and I couldn't understand why. And all of a sudden, in perfect synchronicity, all of the hands pushed me at once, and I felt myself fall back onto my bed. My Paranormal Story is written, produced, and narrated by me, Tom Stewart. Music from this episode, courtesy of Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com. If you enjoy my stories and would like to support the podcast, you can go to buymeacoffee.com slash myparanormal, or just click on the donate button on my website at myparanormalstory.com. 
I also have t-shirts and coffee mugs for sale. Unfortunately, podcasts cost money and your support helps me keep this podcast running. Thank you for your support. Please don't forget to subscribe so you'll know when I've added new episodes. And feel free to follow me on Facebook and Instagram. Just search for My Paranormal Story. If you have a podcast and you'd like to have me as a guest, or if you'd like to ask me a question or tell me your paranormal story, you can email me at myparanormalstorypodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. I'm Tom Stewart, and this is My Paranormal Story. <laughs>